Well, hey, good morning, Grace Church. It's really good to see you. Can we welcome the online audience? There's always a bunch right there. Watching in from all over the place. And so we're thankful that you're in the house. We're thankful that you're online. Hey, here's a quick announcement. I have two of them. I'll, I'll try to keep it short. Um, I want to just draw attention again to baptism. Um, we have a few people signed up, and we have a place for many, many more. Uh, you know, it could go well into the afternoon if some of y'all want to get baptized. But we know that there's new believers. We know there's folks among us that have just never taken that step, and I just want to strongly encourage you to do it. The act of obedience of what we, we sum it up. We sum up a bunch of scriptures by saying this. It's an outward expression of an inward transformation. Amen. What's happened already in your heart, you're decision to follow Jesus. This is a public display to your friends, your family, and of course your church family here to say, I want to follow Jesus and, and uh, you know, death to the old self and yes to the new life in Christ Jesus. So sign up today. We have the next step station ready to go, right? They can sign up right there, right? Amen. Uh, Alicia said you can, and so I believe her. You can sign up on your way out. You can sign up on our website. Save the date, another announcement, just save the date for Friday night, September 1st. We wanna, we wanna try, not just try, but we're gonna launch what I call a prayer and worship night. Prayer, worship, possibly ministry night, corporate. And um, I would love all for you to set that time aside. You'll get more information as it's coming out. But Friday, the first Friday, we'll call it First Friday Prayer and Worship, amen? But I believe God's calling us to a time. And that's why I wanna do this series. But God's calling us to a corporate expression of our faith where it includes extended times of worship, some more extended times in prayer, declaring things over this region, agreeing with God for what he wants to do among us, but even outside of Grace Church in this region, amen? So there's something that's, that we're gonna change in the heavilies and then see a natural outworking. So save the date for Friday night, September 1st, and we'll get you more information, okay? You all right? Yeah. Yay, God. All right, well, let's, let's launch into um, the, the new series. Um, we called it Pray, Praise, and Prophesy. How many know it's hard to do one without the other? So I want to explain that, but it is. It all kind of goes together. And um, I think that we're all created with supernatural ability, come on, to interact with God. You were actually created for that. I know some of y'all don't think so. You're like, that's just not my personality. You know what I say to that? Fooey. I would, I would do the other, but it would spit on my screen. It's not true. You were actually created a certain way. Now, now we're not all cookie cutter Christians and we don't all, you know, have this. In other words, we're not conformists. In other words, your expression might be different from my expression and that's okay, right? And some of us, you know, are more into worship than we are prayer. Some of us are really into prophecy, but don't worship much or something like, you know, but, but it kind of all goes together and there's various expressions in the body of Christ, but we're all called to this holy interaction with the divine in some way. And so, you know, it's just that some of us tend to highlight one more than the other. Um, but we're called to have a private expression, you know, a private prayer life. We're called to have a corporate expression. I won't dive into that because I believe it's the mandate of every believer. Because you can't deny, like, prayer is worship, and worship is prayer. Our songs are sometimes prayers, and sometimes they're prophetic declarations, and they're pronouncements of faith, and, and then we sing as we pray, and we pray as we sing. Come on, are you there? That's what we do, right? And so are we singing or we're praying? The answer is yes. Uh, a praying church believes in the power of the words spoken, and the words sung, and the words that are declared in faith. And here's what's amazing. Uh, 
amazing and I would say quite mysterious even, we know that God hears all of it and then he responds to all of it. And that's amazing when you pause and think about it that we're engaging with something supernatural and we're crazy enough to believe that this supernatural entity responds to us in various ways. And then we mold and shape our lives around that because we know that he is influencing us in many, many ways. So today we're gonna focus on prayer life mainly. Um, and, and then we're gonna pray at the end. Y'all ready for that already? So we're like, can we just jump to that? We're gonna, we're gonna close our service by actually praying. I've invited a few people at the end to just, just pray. We're gonna pray into this region, pray over the Grace Church families and uh, corporately. So let's focus on prayer life today and, and uh, dive into why both are valuable. Is it really okay to have a personal prayer life but then always ditch a corporate prayer life, or vice versa. You know, there's many cultures and even many denominations that, that take prayer as a Sunday go-to-meeting kind of thing. And I don't have a personal prayer life because prayer is when I go to a church or a synagogue and I chant or I recite the known prayers, right? And that's prayer life. Well, Scripture doesn't teach that. Scripture teaches that both, it's a both and of a corporate prayer life and, and a private prayer life are both valuable. Let's look at what God has to say about it. My question to you, though, this morning, really, my main question is, is let, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir for a lot of you. You're like, yeah, I do that, of course, but some of you just aren't quite there. But I'm asking the question this morning, are you hungry? Are you hungry for that divine connection with God? the person of the Holy Spirit and, and the Trinity, if you will. Are you hungry? And if you're not even there, that's what I'm actually chasing this morning is the hunger level. Because God has tremendous desire to interact with us, but we don't always have that, that same desire to interact with him, right? We wanna do life our own way and we get busy. So let's talk about it, shall we? Let's get a vibrant prayer life going both corporately and privately. Um, the simplest definition of prayer is this. In its simplest form, it's a lot more mysterious than this, but in its simplest form, it's this, communication. Otherwise known as communion, right? That, that place where I, I get interaction, but in its very simplest, you, you can say modern day word, it's communication. How many know communication goes both ways? I interact with him, he interacts with me, I interact back. You know, wouldn't communication be a little dull if it's always one-sided? I think so. So the, again, the wild part of the Christian prayer life is that we know and then we believe and we practice communication with a supernatural entity, the Godhead, the Trinity. And then our lives are literally impacted and changed. And then we're led and we're influenced and we're often completely changed because of this practice thing called prayer. Because we believe that we got quiet enough to hear something and we mold our lives about, around it. We choose a different college. We choose a certain mate based on what we felt in prayer. We choose a job and a career. We make a lot of decisions about the vehicles we buy. You know, the, the words that are coming out of our mouth. All this interaction is done in prayer. No wonder unbelievers think that we're crazy. We're supposed to be different because we are actually communing with the divine in a place called prayer and we believe, we are those who are crazy enough to believe that we were created with God's DNA and the supernatural ability to hear a supernatural being speaking to us from out there and in here. Come on, somebody. And we are those crazy people who say, I am called to this. This is my mandate. 
I wasn't just born on the earth to flutter around and do my thing. I was actually placed here for divine purposes to communicate with the divine. And then the prophetic part comes to repeat him and communicate to people as well what we believe God is saying in those prayer times. That's the prophetic part of it. Amen, somebody? Lord, raise up a, a prophetic generation again that believes they can hear from God through his word and through the divine uh, times when, he, when we're in prayer that, that, the, that the things that come out of our mouth again to this generation have a divine impact. Because then people will look at us and say, wow, it's like they've been with Jesus or something. Come on, somebody. I'm hungry for that. How about you? Let's look at scripture a little bit. Matthew 21, this is where Jesus talks about it. And, and Jesus said to them, he was chasing out, he was cleansing the temple on this phrase. He was chasing out the, the money changers, as he called them, the people that were asking for funds when you came to worship and pray to say, you have to buy your pure spotless lamb or your, your bird to sacrifice, right? You have to buy it from us. And so there was money changing going on and people couldn't hardly get to God because of these people that were in the way. And, um, and, he's, and he, Jesus, this is one of his holy moments, right? He got a whip and chased them all out. Remember that story? And then he said, it is written, my house should be called a house of prayer. My house will be called a house of communication with the divine is what he was saying. Now, what was he saying? It is written. He was actually talking about back in Isaiah, man, 700 years before Jesus was actually walking on the earth. Here's the prophet Isaiah saying it in chapter 56, and I'm going to broaden it just a little bit and read a little bit more of it. And Isaiah was prophesying to the church back then, well, you know, the, the nation of Israel. He says, and foreigners will join themselves to the Lord to minister to him. Somebody say minister to him. Yes. To love the name of the Lord and to be his servants and everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast to my covenant. Let's pause right there. Jesus became the Sabbath. Y'all okay with that? So whether you pray on a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, you're keeping the Sabbath. And so he became that Sabbath rest. Y'all okay with that? And we're under the new covenant. So he's talking a little bit about old covenant, but he's establishing a new covenant. Uh, Jesus came to establish a new covenant. So, okay. But, but let's, let's glean from it what we can. Holds fast the covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain, and I'm going to make them joyful in the house of prayer. I'm going to make my people joyful in the house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on the altar. And again, that's old covenant. There's different sacrifices of praise that we do today. We're a living sacrifice, amen. But he, then he says, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. And the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. I want to pause right there and say there's a hunger being birthed even in this region, in many regions of the U.S. and abroad, where God is again gathering his people in and saying, I'm going to communicate with you. I want you here. I want you in my house. I'm going to communicate with you, 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 and you. And there's hunger being birthed because people in and of themselves trying to lead their lives by themselves Maybe it's called humanism or whatever it's called. Aren't doing so well. Come on, somebody. And they're crying out for something divine. How many know like he can be found in an instant by pausing and say, dear God, where are you? And he's right there saying, I'm here. So, so when, he, when he says, my house, what's he talking about? Well, I would submit to you today, it could be personal and corporate. And so I want to talk about the value for both. And, 
You know, there's many people that would just rather do one without the other. Um, we're a holy habitation personally, according to 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, right, within you? And so you are a holy habitation of the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. But then we together, when we come together, we are a holy habitation as well. And, and, and there's many places in Scripture that God blessed them with, a, with his presence, even a cloud in Solomon's temple. And places like when they, when they were together, the glory descended upon them. Matthew 18, 20, it says, For where two or three are gathered, somebody say gathered, in my name, there I am among them. So where are you, Lord? He is uniquely with you privately, and he's especially and uniquely with you when you gather with the saints. Can both be true? I would say yes. Can we, can we stop this holy tension of one is always more important than the other? Because that divides, actually that divides you right in half, right there. Because oh, there's always somebody who's like, I value this more than that. God valued both. Is that okay? That's why I love this, the, the phrase, and I'll say it probably another hundred times before I retire. Scripture interprets, Scripture interprets, Scripture. And when you take one Scripture and highlight it without the other balancing Scriptures, that's where we get off into... Well, I'm just about praying privately. Don't ever ask me to pray in front of anyone else or with someone else. Or I'm just about praying on a Sunday. Don't ask me to pray on a Monday. That's not where that fits. <laughs> Hallelujah. Some movements, and, and maybe, maybe you're with me, maybe you're not, but um, there's some movements that the church has been through that highlighted alone time. And alone time, alone time, alone. That really fits with American culture, by the way, because we're very individualistic, in case you didn't know that, right? And I could fall into that too. Like, it's just me and God, me and God, me and God. I don't need anything else. I just need me and God. Um, true, but it lacks other, it, it doesn't take into account other scriptures. <laughs> Come on. Am I stepping on one of your big toes out there? No, it was just like a, oh, it was like a monastic move, right? Just get into your personal space, get into your alone time, you know, and, and, do, and you don't need anybody else. And then there's other scriptures like when you gather, and then, it, and then how about the one another scriptures of bear with one another, love one another, pray for one another. I don't know how you do that when you're always alone. It's just you and God, right? The monasteries, they could only pray for each other because there's no one else to pray for, right? Because they would just spend all their time alone. Now, now listen, I value that. Uh, I, because I, I still read to this day some of the old saints, the old Catholic saints especially, that were in the monasteries and, and the nunneries, I guess, where, where they had amazing personal experiences with the Lord. Some of them were caught up into the third heaven and just like Paul was for a moment and things of that nature. And I, I love those stories. Why? Because God will meet you on a personal level and give you a personal experience. And then I look back on my Christian walk and I say, wow, without some of those corporate experiences, I don't know that I would do church today. There was some amazing corporate experience that I experienced where I came into. There was thousands of people worshiping. One of them was in North Carolina. Anybody remember Morningstar back in the days, the Morningstar ministry? Some of you were there. There was incredible, incredible worship experiences where the tangible presence of God would descend. And they didn't have uh, smoke machines. They didn't have haze like some modern churches do today, Right? There was a glory cloud. And I walked in and I went, wow, it's really smoking here. Something must be, because I, I went to the bathroom and I missed part of it. And I came back into the, into the thousands of people worshiping. And I went, and some people were stumbling out. Some people were stumbling out into the lobby because they were scared. They didn't know what was going on. And some people thought there was a fire. Some people on the stage, there was only one instrument that kept playing and the other instruments stopped and some of them hid behind the drum set. 
because they were shaken. And so that marked me when I saw the tangible glory of God. And I went, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to explain this right now. I can't explain it. I can just experience it. And, and everyone was either on their face or like this. You couldn't help it but just enjoy the tangible love of God in that place. And then worship continued after a while. Personal, private. Somebody say, I want it all. <laughs> Let's, let's look at a personal prayer life. Why develop a personal and private prayer life? Why does it matter? Um, one of the, things that, one of the th- other things that marked me is uh, I was pretty busy in my early Christian walk, and you can ask Alicia. I was pretty driven, actually, back in those days. To, and, it, and I had the fear of missing out. You know, the, is it called FOMO? Like, I didn't want to miss any conference. I didn't want to miss any prophet coming to town. And so I had to go to Life Center or down to North Carolina, somewhere where some big name was coming to town, right? I wanted to hear what was going on. I wanted to be involved. And so I was very involved in my church, working a full-time career. And then we went into like three years after 9-11 where, where we were busy making medical products for the government and we were working 24-7 shifts. And I would work almost every day, sometimes go to church on Sunday, drop my, my wife and kids off at home. They were little kids then. And, and go right back to, right back to work. And, and, and so I was doing that. But at the same time, growing spiritually, I didn't want to miss out on any conference coming to town. And so weekends were full of conferences back in those days. I was here and there and everywhere with a team of prayer warriors. And I was leading teams of prophetic prayer warriors. And we were, we were there till midnight praying and prophesying over people. God bless them. You know, I go home and my wife has already put all the kids to bed and, and things like that. And, and so I reached a place of burnout. And we went into a season where Alicia and I didn't get along very well for maybe two, three years, right? We were just in disagreement about almost everything. I know none of y'all have ever experienced that because y'all are way too holy. Sometimes I think y'all are too holy for me, honestly. <laughs> but we did. We just, and, and the enemy was trying to kill, steal, and destroy in a thousand ways. And so I developed like an eating disorder back then because I was so driven. I hardly slept. You know, and I would, I would go for like a whole day without eating and then stop for like two big whoppers and, and a large fry and just be, almost like binge eat. And then I would get sick and throw up. And that's, that's called an eating disorder. Come on, somebody. I also developed insomnia back in those days because I was so driven and I was involved in everything, everything community, everything church, you know, everything business, and, and, and of course, family, young kids, and taking them different places. And I, I developed insomnia where I really couldn't sleep well at all, sleep for like an hour at a time and wake up and then be awake for an hour and sleep for an hour. And then I, and then I crashed. And when I crashed, I really crashed. And I have a bit of an extreme personality. When I crashed, I said no to everything. I said no to reading my Bible. I said no to worship. I don't, I don't recommend doing this, by the way. I was in a complete place of burn. I said no to church. I said no to all things spiritual. And I said no to everything until I could just sort of relaunch my life. I actually quit my job. I don't recommend this either, by the way. I just quit my job. I was just so done. And I had just reached a complete place of burnout. And I, was, I remember, I'll never remember, I was, we were living near Stevens effort at the time. And, and I sat in my basement um, where I hadn't sat that much, honestly. It was way too busy for this. But I sat in my basement alone during that time. And I went, I made a mess of my life. My marriage isn't doing so well. I haven't been a great father because she puts the kids to bed a lot. You know, without me, because I'm busy, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a busy, you know, prayer warrior for God, and I made a mess of my career. I didn't know how to set healthy boundaries and say I need a day off, but I wanted to climb the corporate ladder. I made a mess of so many different things, uh, various relationships, and I just felt empty. I hadn't read my Bible in weeks. I hadn't really prayed a lot. It was more like help me, God. Was mostly my prayers. 
sitting alone in my basement, and I felt, for the first time in a long time, the incredible, tangible love of God. Because I hadn't performed a bit to get it. Matter of fact, I had way underperformed, if anything, and burned myself out. And these were the words that he whispered to me in that time. He's like, I like hanging out with you. He was speaking to me in my language. He's like, I like hanging out with you. And it wrecked me. I went, man, I couldn't, I couldn't earn this. And, and it slowly brought me through that spiritual season to where we were re, re, reborn. You know, my, my, my wife, I fell in love with my wife and kids again and, and got a new job about three months later, just, you know, just sort of rebirthed, like got my health back under control, fasted for a bit, got my health back under control. But what, what had changed, what never remained the same as my personal prayer life after that, I never felt like I had to earn his presence after that. Before that, come on somebody, there's performance. I have to earn it. I hope God likes me after all this stuff. Yes to every mission trip. Yes to going to hospitals to pray for people. And yes to doing everything under the sun. And I love all that stuff today. And I'm still doing all that stuff today. You understand? But I wasn't balanced and I had no boundaries. And my personal prayer life was a miss. Even Jesus needed it. How much I needed it. And Jesus needed it. Luke 5, 16, he says, but he, Jesus, he withdrew to desolate places to pray. And it indicates that he might have done that fairly often. My question is, where's your personal prayer life? Where's your private place? Matthew 6, 5 and 6, he's almost like scolding the disciples, but I believe he's teaching them and training them so they don't turn out like the Pharisees of the day, right? And so he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. He's talking about the religious leaders of the day. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. There's there's movements that I've been through too where it felt like, I'm gonna get back to the scripture in a moment, where it felt like what I'm doing is performance. Come on, there's such a thing as performance praying. Now, I love all kinds of prayers. I love all kinds of worship. But you you can feel, if you're alive, like, okay, the reason that this prayer session is going like this is because these people think they're doing an amazing job. And we go, yay, that was amazing. They have their reward, God says. You have your reward, right? And I've been involved in some of those and participated in many of those where it was like, I think that was pretty good, y'all. I think God liked what I said. <laughs> now, we like all kinds of prayers, but, but there's a warning here to say, if you're doing it for the sake of performance of earning man's favor and God's favor, we're doing it wrong, right? He says you got your reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And then your father who sees in secret, he will reward you. Amen, somebody? I knew a guy um, that I was mentoring for a while. And when he was young and just newly married, they had a one-bedroom apartment. And, of course, then they had a baby in this one-bedroom apartment. And all the baby stuff was in their one bedroom. And so, so he said, I use the bathroom. I checked with my wife. Do you need the bathroom for a while? You know, I just need alone time with God. And he would shut the door to the bathroom. These only <laughs> desperate times call for desperate measures. Come on, somebody. But you go where you need to go and you do what you need to do. Shut the door because everybody is created just like Jesus to need some alone time with their heavenly father. Let's get into the why. 
Why do you need that? What, what private prayer actually does, and then let's look at corporate prayer. Private prayer does a lot of this. This is where, number one, you do some asking and receiving, amen? James 4.2 says you don't have sometimes because you do not ask. Because you haven't gotten into that place where you've actually connected with God and start to go after some things and say, this is what I'm looking for, God. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it'll be given to you and seek and you'll find and then knock and it'll be open to you. That's also a place of prayer where it is our job and that's actually what he wants us to do is to storm the gates of heaven, so to speak, and declare before God what it is that we're looking for. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, somebody say everything, by prayer and supplication, that just means requesting, supplication means requesting, with thanksgiving, that's even better, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so I chat with him, and I let him know what's up, and I let him know what I need, and then even what I like or even what I dislike and how I'm feeling about stuff and where I need healing from all of life's hurts. And then I, this is the greatest pushback I always get when we talk about this stuff. God knows what I need before I even ask. That's the scripture too, right? Why do I have to say all this stuff and interact like this when he already knows if he's actually a father that's worth his salt, he would just give it to me before I even ask. And he, somebody... Raise your hand if you have kids. Isn't it fun when you have that interaction with them when you're providing something? No, when they're young and they're learning to communicate, you just provide stuff or else you'll go to jail. <laughs> or you get your kids taken from you. It's your job to provide. And then there's a place where it isn't necessarily, they're growing up. And they've turned 18. It's not necessarily your job under the government to provide housing for them until they're 40. It's not necessarily, you won't go to jail if you don't. Does that make sense? <laughs> but because you're a wonderful father and a wonderful mother, they get to a certain age and there's, a, there's an interaction. There's a, this is what I need. And you're like, I could help you with this or I could give you wisdom with this. Let me show you how to do that in a wonderful way and get what you actually want in this way or that way. Now you, you enter into a place of holy interaction where it's like, I can see what you need. Now let me walk alongside you because you don't stop parenting. Come on, somebody. Your parenting changes though, right? As they get older. And God is the same way. He wants us to grow up in all things like him and say, come on, God, I want to talk with you. And, and when we interact with him, he's honestly after relationship. He doesn't want you to just stay a toddler and, and just scream and moan and go, come on, God, come on, God, come on, God. I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. No, you grow up into that relationship and have a holy interaction with him. That's true prayer. And then it goes right into number two, private prayer is alignment. Because in those places, we align then our will with his will. And that's a different place of prayer. Jesus did it as well. Come on, he was in the garden right before he went to the cross. He's in Luke 22, he says, Father, if you're willing, if there would be another way to do this, instead of me being crucified on a cross, would there be another way? Some of us can hardly believe that he actually said this. Wasn't this the plan all along? But no, he was grieving. He's ready to take on the sins of the world. He's like, remove this cup from me if there's another way. Then he says this, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. When's the last time you've said that? When's the last time I paused to pray that very thing? Why? Because in private prayer, we need 
again and again and again, probably daily, what I would call a holy alignment. And we submit our will. According to 1 Peter 5, 6, he says, humble yourselves. The other translation says, submit yourselves. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. There's a place where you say, I need, I desire, I want. But more than that, more than that, God, I, desire, I defer to your wisdom. I desire your will in this. Teach me, Lord, what that might be. Can we say, your ways are higher than mine? And it goes into number three. Private prayer is prioritizing. Somebody say prioritizing. What do I mean by that? It means that we should have no other gods before him. And it's time for us again to submit and say, there is no other God to cry out to and no other thing that will satisfy. And of course, in Exodus 20, you see it, you know, it's part of the Ten Commandments. You shall, not, you shall have no other gods before me. But in Acts 4.12, it says, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And there's literally nothing else on the planet, nothing else in the universe by which I can find my salvation and get an answer from because I stopped trusting in all other things. I stopped trusting in my career and my finances and my spouse and my family and my friends and my things. Come on, we're America. We're good with our things. And we find security and we start to put our trust in things. And not many people in this area, not, I, say, I say there are some, but not many you know, built, put an idol in their living room made out of sticks and, and stones and bow down to it and say, come on, rain upon my garden. You know, things, you know, and we make, we, cultures have done that, but we, have, we don't do that much in America. You know, some people literally do have Buddha statues and things like that, but no, not a lot of us do that. But come on, idols pop up, whereby we put our trust in something. And it becomes an idol in the heart, and we say, I trust in that to provide. I trust in that person to give the emotional fulfillment that I need. I trust in that person to meet needs. And, and we then return to a private, a private place of prayer and we say again and again, God, you're the provider. I worship you and you alone. Somebody say no idols in Jesus' name. So what does your private prayer look like and where do you do it and how often? Uh, I hope you have a, a better place than a bathroom to, to, to do a private prayer time. Maybe you have a basement, maybe it's a backyard. I know, I know a lot of guys, and maybe this is a guy thing. I know a lot of guys who have an outdoor place where they go, a woods, a lake, somewhere like that. Why? Because God is the creator of all nature. Come on, somebody. And there, it's really easy for a lot of us guys to, to meet with the Lord in the great outdoors. And I'm, I'm all for that as well, as long as we're actually doing it. Some guys say it that that's where they meet with God as an excuse to not ever come to church. <laughs> I don't, you know, I want you to meet with God as long as you're actually doing it though. Come on, somebody. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. There's a place, it's not that God isn't there. There's a place where you pause and acknowledge him and say, I draw near to you with everything that I am. And I stop praying while I'm driving. Come on, somebody. I pray all the time. I pray while I'm driving and while I'm doing stuff. But there's a place where you stop all that and you say, it's just you, God. I'll, I'll, can, can we actually separate from our gadgets in this culture? <laughs> from our iPhones, our iPads, everything Apple related. <laughs> can we separate from our people and our tasks long enough 
to be still and know that I am God, like it says in Psalm 46. His desire is for us to make himself known in us and to us. And my question before we move on is, are you gonna respond to him? And again, I'm preaching to the choir with some of you because you love your daily prayer life and some of you are amazing at it. Others are actually just hearing this for the first time and is all everything in between. He desires you more than you desire him. And so I wanna impart hunger as I'm talking. He actually wants time alone with you. He needs it. He, he knows that you need it, but he desires that more than you do. Amen, somebody? Will you respond to him this week? Number two, second segment, why develop a corporate or what we call a communal prayer life, a community prayer life? Why is that even necessary? Again, there's a lot in our culture and maybe COVID helped to solidify this where it's like, it's okay just to ignore other people in the corporate life of church, right? And I'm not saying it has to be Grace Church. I'm not saying it even has to be on a Sunday, but there's something in scripture that is very corporate, and it's a very togetherness kind of feel where it's like what you do then also you do with other saints in some degree. I'm not saying it can't be done online. It doesn't always have to be in person. Uh, thank God for technology. But scripture does talk about a corporateness to our prayer life and our worship life. So where in scripture does God talk about it? Let's look at a few. There's in, in Acts. I'm gonna just read a few places. And all these with one accord. Um, that means unity, not a hondo accord. That's... The, the right car to buy if you're looking. Uh, Honda should pay me to say that. All these in unity were devoting themselves to prayer. When's the last time you used the word devoted to talk about your prayer life? I feel devoted. That's what they did in the early church. They devoted themselves to prayer together. Somebody say together. With the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. I think they mean the brothers of Jesus. So there was a whole group of them that devoted themselves to meeting together to pray. Again and again. How often? I have no idea. I would say 24-7 probably. I don't know. No, I just don't know. Maybe daily. I, I just don't know exactly. But they devoted themselves to it. Maybe it was once a month because wherever they traveled, they had to walk, right? I don't know. They had a few donkeys, but most of them didn't get together, honestly, that often. And, next, and other places, it says they met daily. I don't know if it's always the same people that met daily, but somewhere they were meeting daily. So we, we have those scriptures in front of us. In Acts 2, 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Again, it says Devoted. When's the last time you devoted yourself to prayer, you devoted yourself to eating together with other saints, and you devoted yourself to the apostles' teaching, which is technically what you're doing here, because everything we teach, I like to be rooted in the apostles' teaching. Come on, somebody. That's what you're actually doing now. There's all these other aspects to it. Acts 4.31 is when they had prayed. Now they were all together. This isn't even on the day of Pentecost. This is later on. Could be weeks later. I don't know when it was. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Somebody say shaken. shaken. That's where the Quaker church was birthed. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. <laughs> the Quakers came out of that movement. <laughs> and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. There's a togetherness in prayer life and worship and prophetic life. And as we're, as we're talking about this, there's a value that God places on it where he's like, I want you to have a personal prayer life which is rich, which is, which is very, very necessary. And then you get to a place where it's like, what I have isn't just for me. 
And I'm gonna meet with somebody and I'm gonna invite them over. I don't care if it's just McDonald's or the cafe down the street. Just pick Dunkin' Donuts. I don't care where, where it is or the local park if you don't have any money. You say, I'm gonna hang out with this person. And after we go on a walk together, why? Because they're just building relationship. After we have a little bit of food together, you know, maybe a, a really good iced coffee, I'm gonna pray for you. We have fun together, we eat together, we grow in fellowship is what it says, and we incorporate prayer. I can get to a place where when I call upon the name of God, it's not just for me, it's for someone else, and the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, all right, and a woman, come on, it says, availeth much, King James language, it affects much when you pray for someone else as well. And again, that just, that just looks at the, 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 the monastic movements that we've seen. Just you and God, you and God, just you and God. It kind of blows that out of the park, right? Because none of these scriptures would matter if you're just always alone with God, right? And there's a, there's a place where they met and they prayed for one another. Now, let's look, look a little deeper. What corporate prayer does, what corporate prayer is. Number one, it's agreement. Somebody say Agreement. There's unity of the faith. We could also say that. And Matthew 18, 19, this is where it comes from. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. There was something really, really special that God says, when that person knows my will, probably from the place of private prayer, and he knows what I want to do in, in this person's life or in this community, and then he joins with this other person and maybe this other person, they believe, they agree that this is what God wants to do. They get the word of the Lord and they start agreeing in the same way, according to the same thing. He says, I see that and I move upon that and I answer those prayers. And sometimes I just pause and I go, God, what amazing things could you do if there's more prayer in agreement? How would you move among us? I wanna read Ephesians 4 to you, uh, starting at 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, is what I highlighted, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, and I'm gonna leave the rest for another time. But there's something, and doesn't specifically talk about prayer in those passages, but there's something that happens when we get together. How can we be in unity and agree together if we're just not together? Does that make sense? Somewhere we have to cross paths and do something corporate. So there's agreement, there's unity in the faith, there's like-mindedness that comes in equipping the saints and speaking the truth, and that's what God wants as well. Number two, corporate prayer is serving. Do you ever think about that? It's a way to serve another person. How many feel like they're called to serve in some way? This is one of the main ways that we serve. What, what does it look like? It looks like in James 5, 13, 16, and, and this, is what it, this is what he says. Is anyone among you suffering? Question mark. Let him pray. Is anyone, am, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing a praise. Is anyone among you sick? Now here's where we get down to it. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick and the Lord will raise him up. As if he has, and if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven and therefore confess your sins to one another. There it is, one another again. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. 
What an amazing way to serve another person. Sometimes when you have run out of ways to serve this other person, you took them meals, man, you, you listened to all their woes for an hour on the phone, and you, you've, you, you've done a great job of listening and absorbing and carrying their burdens, and then you, you end by saying, would you allow me to pray? That is probably one of the biggest gifts you can give to someone. I have rarely, I have rarely had anyone. Matter of fact, I don't think I've had anyone. I've heard of someone that said no. But whenever I've asked to pray for someone, whether they were in the church or out of the church, most people say, yes, please. So we serve one another in a corporate setting by praying prayers of faith over one another. Uh, and become that trusted friend that someone can confess their sins and weaknesses to in order to promote healing. Amen, somebody. And then finally, corporate prayer is evangelistic. And in, in Acts 2, um, we talk about the Holy Spirit being poured out. What do you mean by corporate prayer is evangelistic? You look what happens when we actually pray together corporately in the church or out of the church. And, the Holy Spirit's poured out in the day of Pentecost. Remember that story? They were praying and speaking in tongues and many languages were being prayed in, in, another, in, in an unknown tongue. And the townsfolk that were from everywhere uh, around the globe at that point, or the, the known world, they were amazed and they, it says they were perplexed. And then some, some, of course, thought they were drunk. You know, like, like they didn't know what was going on. But Peter gets up and he preaches what I would call the best sermon ever recorded, right, in the book of Acts. And he says, this is what the prophet Joel, Joel said would happen and then it says, many were deeply convicted and said, what must I do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you're gonna receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now let's read Acts 2.41. Get this. Started with a prayer meeting, which led to an explanation of what was going on, which led to a message being preached. And so those who received the word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Corporate prayer is evangelistic in nature. Somebody say mega church. I can't imagine seeing that many people getting saved all at once and baptizing them. <laughs> what a, I don't know how they did that on one day, quite frankly. They must have just said, all oh, you'll run into the sea <laughs> and then put yourself under. I'd be exhausted after like 100. Can you imagine? Amazing, amazing. And there's also this story in Acts 3, 110. Corporate prayer is evangelistic. If, if it's done right, and there's the story where Peter and John were going up to the temple, right, and they saw someone. I'm just going to paraphrase this story real quick. They saw someone they're saying that was actually begging for money, um, and, and, and Peter says, I don't actually have any money. Silver and gold I don't have, but then he says, I do have a prayer, right? Instead, I'm going to give you this, and it's, it's found in, in Acts 3, starting in, I think, 6 it is. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That was his simple prayer. It was a prayer of declaration, actually. And he took him by the right hand and he raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Come on. Isn't that fun stuff? Yes. And it says, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Somebody say power evangelism. And so when we allow ourselves to be used in a place of private prayer and corporate prayer, it's amazing what God can do. And we might see all this stuff. We might see even greater things. And we might see this or that. And some of you will see different things than other people. I don't know. I just want it all. Come on, somebody. And I want to see what God can do. But I want to end this particular service by, by praying. I've invited some folks to come up and pray. So my wife, Alicia, what we're going to do is pray together corporately. Uh, Alicia, Daniel Manti, Jason Ritchie, Heather Muncie, come on up. And Mike and Pam Calker invited them. They have a regional ministry where they do a lot of prayer in the city 
If y'all would come up here together and you can line up here or to the right or left, I don't care, um, somewhere here. And I have the microphone. Uh, Nate, would you mind grabbing the microphone back there? It's actually on your hidden shelves there with all of your tech stuff. I forgot to bring it out. Do you see it? So sorry, guys. But why talk about prayer and then not do it? <laughs> y'all okay with that? So, so this is what I want to do. I've, I, I want to pray prayers of faith into this region, over your families, over your businesses, but into this region called the Greater Reading Area. Can we do that? And, and so I invited people for this one, you know, but then when we get together on the first Friday of September, I, w- I would love for just participation, you know, where we all come with, with something that God has put on our heart to pray and to, and, and to, to prophesy or whatever. But for, but for today, this is, how, this is what I'd like it to go down. If you have any strength left in you after all my fervent preaching, would you, would you jump to your feet and get engaged? And if you agree with what they're praying and declaring over this region, would you just say amen? The word amen means so be it. Or you just say, yes, Lord, I agree or something like that. And if you're just agreeing, you can pray in tongues if you want. You can pray in the Holy Spirit. Or you can add your own phrases if you want. I'm okay with, if we do it African style and we all pray together at the same time. That's what they did over there, right? And I'm okay with that too. But God hears us when we pray and he helps us in our prayers and declarations. And this is really what he wants us to move in in a deeper level. So let's all join together, get into prayer mode. And let's just pray for a bit in Jesus' name. So Alicia, lead us off and then we can just go down the line. You're activated. Okay, I'm activated. Woo, there we go. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your presence, Lord. We thank you for what you did on the cross for us. We thank you that you rose again, Jesus. We lift your name higher, God, over any darkness that's coming against your church, Lord. We lift your name higher over any darkness that's coming against this region. We say, Jesus, you rule and reign. Holy Spirit, we yield to you. We invite you, God, to do a deep work in Grace Church, Lord, I thank you for all of the families, for all the people that are here, Lord. I thank you for the places in them, Lord, where they need a touch of you, God. We invite your Holy Spirit, Lord, to do a deep work in those places, Lord. We thank you for your healing, Lord, in our physical bodies, in our emotions, Lord, in our hearts. We thank you for healing over marriages and families, relationships, Lord, that are broken, that you want to bring healing, Lord. We thank you, God, that you will do that. Jesus, we ask for your will to be done in this county, Lord, and the surrounding counties, Lord. Again, we lift your name higher over every form of darkness which is trying to destroy people. We say, Jesus, would you come? Would you move and would you work, Lord? We thank you. We honor you. God, above everything else, Lord, I ask that you would search our hearts, Lord. If we have idols, Lord, we ask you to show that and that we would remove them and we would lift you in the highest place, God. So we give you the honor and the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, Heavenly Father, I just come to you today. Lord, you are the great I am. You are the mighty one. You are the amazing one. You are the creative one. You are the the God of the universe. And Lord God, you created each person here today, Lord God, with a plan and a purpose. And Lord, Heavenly Father, you have a calling for their life. You have a calling for this region. 
Lord God, and you have strategically placed Grace Church right where it's at, Lord God. And you are raising up your people, Lord God, to pray, to intercede for this region. Lord, where there is hopelessness, where there are people walking around, Lord God, with no hope. You can see it in their eyes, Lord God, and you are desiring to be in relationship with them. Lord God, it says in your word that you wish none would perish. Lord God, and you have called us to be the light. Lord God, to be salt and light. Lord God, to our neighbors, to our families, in our workplaces, in this community, Lord God. And I pray today, Lord God, that we would rise up and be that light, Lord, that you've called us to be. To reach out to the people, Lord God, in this region, Lord God, with love, Lord God. Letting them know that, Lord God, that they have a purpose, Lord God. Lord, I pray, Lord Heavenly Father, that, Lord God, you would, Lord God, just bring forgiveness into their life, Lord God, as they come to a place of, to the end of themselves, Lord God. Yeah. Lord God, that they would surrender to you, Lord God, that you would forgive, you would deliver, and you would heal. Lord God, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, Lord God, that we would see healing take place in Jesus' name. Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that, Lord God, you would raise up prophets, Lord God, that you would raise up intercessors, Lord God. I pray an impartation, Lord God, of intercessor prayers, Lord God, that people would fight, Lord God, the spiritual warfare on their knees, Lord God, that this battle, Lord God, that is raging all around us, Lord God, that they would not shrink back, Lord God, but they would just come to a place, Lord God, in communion with you. Lord God, trusting that, Lord God, that you are working in ways they never imagined. Lord God, those people, Lord Heavenly Father, that we can look at in, the, in, in our human eyes, Lord God, that there's no hope for them. Lord God, forgive us. Let us see them through your eyes. Lord God, that as we see them through your eyes, that we would pray in faith and declare that they are not who they are, but they are who you called them to be. And we just thank you, Lord Heavenly Father, for what you are doing. Lord God, what you are going to do. We declare today, Lord God, that even as we start this, this time of prayer on Friday evenings, Lord God, once a, if this is going to be a monthly thing or whatever it may be, Lord God, I pray that we will begin to see change. We will begin to see transformation because we come together corporately, Lord, just as he um, preached this morning, Lord God, that in unity... When we, when we pray in unity, Lord God, it changes things. Yeah. And that, Lord God, that you will bring forth the change that needs to be brought forth, Lord God. And we will see signs, miracles, and wonders take place in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Go for it, Daniel. Hallelujah. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you. Father, we thank you, God, that there shall be signs and wonders following the preaching of your word yes. so God today we thank you that there are signs wonders miraculous things happening amongst us even right now we thank you God that there are angels right here there are angels here we thank you God for the ministry angels that have been sent on an assignment here today oh God we thank you for the spiritual healings taking place. We thank you that eyes are being opened, ears are being opened in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, that you are doing 
a miracle amongst us, only what you can do, God. So we thank you for today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that you are the God that answers by fire. When the prophets of Baal were praying from morning to noon to evening, they call on their God, but he didn't answer. The Bible says that when Elijah the prophet called upon you, there came a fire from heaven and consumed the offering, oh God. So Father, today we thank you, God, that there is an holy fire consuming every darkness in our families, every darkness in our lives, every darkness in our region. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, oh God, that there is a breakthrough in Jesus' name, oh God. We thank you, oh God, that Lord, you are ruling and reigning in this region and in this church in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, that Father, there is an open heaven upon our lives even right now. And hoping heaven, oh God, that Father, we can commune with you. We can reach out and touch. Father, we thank you, oh God, that you are birthing such a desire for prayer in every heart, in every mind, in every being. In the name of Jesus Christ, that Father, just like Elijah, when we pray, things will happen. When we pray, things will change. When we pray, we will see answers, oh God. So Father, we thank you, oh God, that today we came for a service. We are returning a changed person. Bible says that when Saul started prophesying, they asked that, is he also a prophet? Because he was a changed man. Father, may we be changed. May we be changed. May we be changed. May we be changed by the power of your Holy Spirit, oh God. Love you, Lord. We thank you, God, that Pentecost is taking place even right now. That that writing, that rushing mighty wind is even amongst us, oh God. Even right now. Even right now. With tongues of fire. Oh, with tongues of fire, oh God. We thank you, God, that we are purified. We thank you, God, that we are cleansed. Father, there are representatives of every region, of every city in Berks right here. And even beyond, oh God. So, Father, we pray, oh God. You said, on Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance. And Father, this is the place where you have called, you have chosen to be our Mount Zion. So Father, may you deliver, may you, may you release your power over the lives over here right now, oh God. And Father, as we move into our cities and in, into our regions, oh God, may we impact those regions. May we impact those cities. May we impact our homes, oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, even for what you are doing right now. Thank you for what you are doing right now. Thank you for what you are doing right now. Somebody, uh, there was, a, there was a, a pain in your chest when you came in this morning. That's, that pain 
is gone in Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the healing in the foot. Thank you for the healing in the arm. We thank you, oh God, that that headache, that migraine is gone and it will never, never repeat itself again, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You are God. And there's none like you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Jesus' name. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Yesterday I was listening to a message. And the Holy Spirit, it was talking specifically with prophecy. And the speaker said that to understand prophecy, we have to understand the ministry of reconciliation and what Jesus did. And that thought came to me and it stuck with me because Pastor Vern had asked me to come pray. And I thought, you know, we could probably pray so much better if we understood and we prayed with the understanding of the ministry of reconciliation to God. Yeah. Come on. Thank you, you know, we would pray from a different position. And so this morning, that's what I, my prayer is for my brothers and sisters in this congregation right now, in this room. My prayer to God Almighty is that he would begin to birth a hunger in each one of you out of understanding the ministry of reconciliation that we would ask Holy Spirit I ask you right now in your name for my brothers and sisters and from myself and all that is within me Lord to understand the ministry of reconciliation that God you sent a man to come to reconcile us to you Heavenly Father and you said that because of him we're holy and righteous and oh Lord that when two come together and they agree, believing, touching anything, that it shall be done in the name of Jesus. Yes. So this morning, I ask for a hunger. I ask that you birth a hunger and a desire in my brothers and sisters within the sound of my voice like you never did before, starting with me, George Jesus. So I pray in your name, Father, that we begin to, to reach out and want to commune with you from an understanding of what you did for us and what you mean to us and how much, as Pastor Vern says, you want to communicate with us, mere mortals. Oh, my Lord, thank you, Jesus. I thank you this morning that your word is going forth, that relational issues are being healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that for relational, for husband to wife, Father, for father to son and son to father, yeah. for daughter to father, right. daughter to mother, son to mother, I thank you, Lord, that you're healing these situations in this body, in this room, in Jesus' name. I thank you. Thank you, Father. We bless what you're doing, Holy Spirit. I pray that you activate prayer warriors, Lord, for this house, for this season, for this region, for the city of Reading and Berks and beyond. Oh, Lord, I, I ask that you activate prayer warriors for the ministries within this body. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Father, for all that you've done, all that you're going to do, and thank you for letting us be a part of it. In your mighty, mighty name, amen. amen.
There is so much going on in this space right now, my brothers and sisters. And I wanna invite you to a time right now to just cry out together in prayer. None of us are any more anointed to pray in this space than any of you. We are all anointed to pray and lift our voices to the Lord. So I'm gonna ask you, some of you are like dying to just go for it, so like, just do it. Some of you are like, I never did that before, What's what's that like? We're brothers and sisters. So there's some of you that have burdens on your heart this morning that are related to you. You're tired, you're hurting, there's something going on in your life. Others, you're just filled with joy, you wanna praise the Lord. Um, Some of you might not even know what to pray. Sometimes when I cry out to the Lord, I just cry out the name of Jesus because I don't even know what else to declare at that time. So I wanna invite us together right now. Just pray out what's on your heart Let's lift it up before the Lord. Let's come in agreement together in this space corporately for each individual prayer that goes forth in this space. So let's do that in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we cry out to you this morning, Lord God, as one body. I just feel like uh, this is a word that I just, a word of knowledge for someone that I felt even before coming in this morning, that there's someone here that's trying to remain hidden. Mm. And the Lord is calling you out to be a voice, a tri- uh, like a trumpet, like your voice is a trumpet, but you're trying to remain hidden and remain silent. And I don't know if it's because you're feeling like you're not enough. And through Jesus, you can do all things. And I just want to encourage you today to step out in faith and use that voice to be that voice of trump, a, a voice of trumpet for Jesus. Come on. Amen. Amen. Somebody, thank you all. You're amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> hey, we're gonna. I don't know how to close the service. love the participation. I was like, you can't really preach a message on prayer and then just say, see ya. So thank, thank you guys so much. I love the interaction. Hey, as we always do, um, we don't want you to leave this place 
without knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and your personal Savior. That those, there will come a time when those who call on the name of the Lord, according to the book of Acts, they'll call on the name of the Lord and they shall be saved. It is simple as that. And so I would want you to have that opportunity right now. And you know what I don't feel like doing today? I don't feel like doing the eyes closed. Is that okay? I just feel like we're in a moment of corporate participation. And I would love if there's someone here, there's someone online, if you were saying, I want to give my life to the Lord today. I'm about to experience what y'all are experiencing. I want to come into that relationship. But you just right now shoot your hand up in the air so we can pray with you where you're at. I see you. Very proud of you. I see you. Very proud. Anybody else? Let's celebrate. I love it. We're celebrating you. The angels are rejoicing right now. Let's all pray a quick prayer together of salvation. Jesus Christ, I give you my life. I turn from my sins. I fully receive your love and forgiveness. Somebody lay hands on that person back there that just raised their hand. I publicly declare that God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord. And the Holy Spirit is welcome to live within me. Teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Let's celebrate those who sing yes to Jesus today. If that is you, we have a book to give you. Please stop by the Next Step Station. We want to give you a book and keep getting you launched. We have prayer teams, and I would love for you to take full advantage of our prayer teams as we close after this last song that we're going to enjoy. If you're saying, I want to get activated in this prayer life, and I don't know about corporate prayer, private prayer, I just know that I need prayer, amen. I would love for you to come forward. And these folks right here, we have a prayer team also that's going to be right here. We're going to pray for you. We don't want to send you home empty-handed. We want to agree with God for your life to be shaken in Jesus' mighty name. Let's worship together one more time. Can we do that? Love you guys so much. Amen.